Hey y'all, I'm Brooke Hoover, a Louisiana native, actor, writer, and comedian. I've lost 100 pounds through diet and exercise, or shall I say, lifestyle changes. My 20 year and counting health journey has taught me that just like taking a diet pill for weight loss, body positivity doesn't magically happen overnight. I'm working on regaining my self-esteem and rekindling my love affair with Cajun and Southern comfort food in a healthier way, all the while juggling eating as clean as I can, reestablishing myself in the entertainment industry, which, as we know, is historically fat-phobic, all the while showing my inner fat girl some love. That's fat with a PH. Pretty hot and tempting. Let me tell y'all a tale or two. In honor of the U.S. Open going on in Queens, New York these couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite pastimes, y'all. Tennis. I don't remember the exact hair that crawled up my butt to prompt me to play tennis, but it could have been because my mama told me I couldn't take up violin because you have a bad temper, baby, and I know you'll throw that violin when you make a mistake and violins are too expensive for people with bad tempers. So, at the age of 11, I decided to try another kind of stringed instrument, the tennis racket. My dad, Hoover Bob, he's pretty agile at sports, from baseball, golf, picking his nose. Sorry, Dad, Hoover Bob, I had to throw that one in there for the comedy rule of three at your expense. (laughs) So... My dad and I decided to just start kind of like volleying the tennis ball back and forth on our driveway. And I had this, um, that my, my dad got me this purple and yellow Wilson brand racket. It was called the Wild Thing. And it was uh, like yellow, purple, and bits of green um, and on the case. And it was like Ella Shoe and Mardi Gras fabulous. And I loved it. But Playing tennis on our rough and kind of very unpredictable aggregate driveway, they don't play well together. So I often spent much of that time predicting, you know, how you do in tennis, you predict the ball to go one way, but it would hit a tiny piece of rock and totally backspring and go another way. And I would get just really ticked off and I would just hurl the racket into our neighbor's bushes. And my dad would just simply be like, Brooke. You'd better go pick up that racket if you want to keep playing tennis. And I'd shout something like, Dad, we aren't even playing real tennis because we need a court. I wish we had our own tennis court or at least lived within walking distance to a court. Mm, Poor Brooke. And my dad wasn't about to allow me to be extra. And he wasn't going to build a tennis court for me. So we just started driving to a nearby Breck Park. And that was the problem was solved. And it turns out, y'all, once I was on a a proper court, tennis just kind of came naturally to me. I wasn't like a genius or a phenom. Remember that sitcom? There was a sitcom about a girl, who a gill, who played tennis called Phenom back in the day. Anyways, I wasn't like the phenom at it, but my hand-eye coordination are on point, as the kids say. Uh, uh. So soon, I guess it was because my mom and my dad thought that tennis was something I was good at. They enrolled me in private lessons with this hippie bleach blonde lady with orange skin named Diana, who just liked to hit the ball back and forth with me for hours on end, but she didn't really give me much hardcore coaching or direction. And it was just, it was heavenly. 
And on a few Saturday mornings before our lessons, Diana would give me orange juice, which y'all, I swear was special orange juice, special orange juice, because it tasted like a little extra tart, a little too sour, and just a little too good. And y'all, believe me, I'm from Louisiana. I... Even at the age of 11, I knew what special orange juice or special punch tasted like, okay? So my tennis playing on those special orange juice days would be extra crazy, extra crazy good. So during these tennis moments with my dad or Diana, this was also around the time I was starting to get a little little fatter with a PH and yes, with an F and chubby, if you will. I never once thought, oh, I'm fat, I'm chubby, I can't play tennis. Meh. I never did that for some reason. Whereas I tended to do it with a lot of other things. I just focus on the fact that I can play tennis. I'm great at tennis because my arms are long. My hand-eye coordination is feeling the flow. And it's just some damn good old fun. Then, then good old Diana my coach started getting really popular and she hired a few other assistant coaches and I stopped having private lessons with Diana and I started having lessons with some of the other coaches and there was this one guy who was a tennis coach who looked like a young Jerry Seinfeld when he was rocking like white prince brand tennis whites and he always commented and kind of like noted that when he was fixing to serve me the ball that I didn't didn't do that quintessential tennis shuffle like like I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. That kind of like boxer shuffle for tennis players. I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to be more like a cannonball, a wrecking ball. No, that wasn't the right tune. But you know, like a wrecking ball, like is that Miley Cyrus? I wanted to be like a wrecking ball or a cannonball when I first returned that serve. Stationary, but then deadly. But for the first time while playing tennis, this encouragement from the young Jerry Seinfeld, it did make me question, is he just trying to get me to run? Am I doing tennis for exercise because I'm fat? Am I doing tennis because it's good cardio? You know, why did my dad really encourage me to play this game? All these negative thoughts came up for me that had happened in my other physical activity attempts that we, we've told tales about this, like swimming, yoga, dance. In past episodes, we have told a lot of tales about this, but I'd be damned if I was going to let it happen to me in tennis. So I just told Coach Diana, I didn't really get along well with any of the other new coaches, and I just really, really wanted to go back to having her be my coach. So she agreed, and we toasted to it with some special orange juice. So, y'all, after a couple of years, it was about time to take my tennis game on the road. And by on the road, I mean to my favorite area in the whole country, the Smoky Mountains of North Carolina, where we spent our childhood summers. And I had to step up my game because the only tennis courts there were at country clubs, not like at public parks or Diana's apartment complex that we just kind of took over every weekend. And I it was required that I wear tennis whites, tennis skirts, and bloomers. What the hell are bloomers? So they're basically like underwear with special pockets to hold the balls, the tennis balls. So this was the part of tennis that my mama actually liked, shopping for the the clothing, shopping for 
the costume, if you will. So my usual tennis attire when I played with Diana and dad was like a t-shirt and shorts with pockets. But I was like hitting the age of 14 and I needed to be a little extra styling to fit in at the country club. So mama took me to this local boutique in the mountains of North Carolina. And they sure enough had some tennis attire for this fat with a PH girl. And the local boutique owner, it was owned by a nice lady named Deborah. Um, I believe that was her name. It was like mountain resort wear at its finest. And surprisingly, and also maybe not surprisingly, she had a nice assortment of tennis garments. And I was at the age and size where I wasn't wearing kids' clothes anymore. I was easily able to wear the large or extra large of the adult sizes. I wasn't yet in plus sizes. So clothing was fair game to choose from, even bloomers. And so they were out of white bloomers. I guess all the other country club ladies had stock, uh, you know, come and stockpiled on those earlier on in the season. So they had red, black, and navy blue. And mama was like, why don't you get these colors, boo? It'll be like you're a tennis rebel wearing these crazy colors underneath your tennis whites. And I thought that was kind of cool, but mama could have also been telling me this as a little game because she knew there was not going to be another boutique for another 75 miles out in the middle of nowhere. But I thought the look, the look would be pretty badass. And it was. So the, the whole kind of tennis attire vibe of it really suited me. It was like dressy athletic wear with a little bit of stretch to it. Um, the tennis ladies who lunch and drink mimosas and special OJ, I'm going to keep calling that back because <laughs> I can taste the special OJ now. Ah, God bless you, Diana. And so the ladies who lunch and 14-year-old Brooke, we were trend-setting with like classy athleisure before it was even a thing, y'all. And it was one big memory I have where I don't remember clothes and me being fat with a F or with a PH getting in the way. So skirts always kind of came naturally to me because thankfully, my legs are my best asset. They're skinny. At least um, the calves are. And I am almost like 99% sure I'm in my closet right now. I could probably open the drawer and be able to tell. I do have one all-white tennis skirt. But I do think I have my first tennis skirt ever still that I bought back in the day. And it was an Adidas tennis skirt. And it was all white with a, a nice little logo from like the 90s. I wonder if I still have it. I love that skirt. I wore it to death, but obviously still have it somewhere so you can't kill it. Sorry for that brain fart. I just really love, love tennis skirts. They're cute. So then it was time to start high school. And after several attempts of not fitting in anywhere elsewhere in the, the sports team realm, and I was barely hanging on with the thread to the musical theater department because I just always kind of deemed myself as an outsider. Like I wasn't really into any one little thing. I was always into a million things. And y'all, if y'all want to really, really, because I know you're itching to hear about my forays to attempt into team, to forays to attempt to fit into team sports, check out Night as in K-N-I-G-H-T in Shining Sequins. That's episode number 15 of this here Who's Dat Fat Girl podcast. So after a few years of high school, I made a 
best friend, Sarah, and I said, Sizzle, we're enrolling in JV tennis because we didn't have to audition or what's the word? We didn't have to try out. And um, I needed something that was fun. And I wasn't doing it for, oh, I want to compete. It was more so just for something fun to do. And I needed a break from musical theater and dance because even when I did those as extracurricular activities, I always viewed those as work. Like this is my work, um, that work that I love, but albeit it's still work. So lucky for Sarah and I, the tennis coach was Dr. Hawking. He's a wonderful Australian man who was also our middle school science teacher from back in the day. And he was also in charge of a few of us for chapel, which was kind of like homeroom, but like homeroom for God. And we'd have to sing in the morning. Um, and we'd have to sing one of the songs we'd have to sing. I could still hear it in my head is morning has broken like the first morning. I, you know what I mean? Not, I think it was Cat or um, now Yusef Stevens, but it was a Bible song. And Dr. Hawking with his Australian accent, he'd be like, Blackbird has spoken. And I, sorry again for that brain fart. Such good memories. Anyways, no tennis team tryouts for JV. So we just told Dr. Hawking, you know, hey, um, can we be partners for doubles? He was like, all right, gals, with his Australian accent, of course. So Dr. Hawking was totally cool with it because he had better things to do, I guess, like actually pay attention to the varsity tennis team and eat Vegemite sandwiches. So every so often, every so often... All right, every tennis match we had, my competitive nature started to creep out from me, especially when Sarah and I were playing doubles. I would really get mad at myself if I missed the ball. And so bless Sarah, bless you, Sarah, for nipping this in the bud with me from right from the get-go. She'd be like, yo, we're going to get kicked off if you let your temper out. So just, just, River dance it out. Just river dance it out. So I do like this quack, 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 quack. So I do this quick little river dance if I missed a shot or got mad at myself or something. And so the opposing team may or may not have looked at us like we were crazy lunatics or they may or may not have joined in on our river dance at times. I don't really remember because I was too busy river dancing. So once I was in France with our French exchange student, Julien, having breakfast with him, his mom and his dad, and they started talking about tennis. And he was like, you know, um, telling them Brooke's really into tennis. And he asks me, Brooke, uh, are you a fan of Pisse en Prose? I, I don't even know what kind of accent that was. And I was like, huh? And he's like, Pisse en Prose, you know, Pisse en Prose. And I'm like, no, I don't understand what you're saying, Julien. He's like, Pisse en Prose. And I was like, Oh, Pete Sampras. And Julien got really mad at me. And it's not that I really, of course, I didn't understand his accent at first, but I really didn't know much about Pete Sampras other than like hearing his name in passing because I was not into tennis for the competition of it. I was not like this hardcore die, diehard fan. So I just said to him and his parents, like, I, I was like, je suis désolé, but um, hey, I just like to whack balls doesn't really quite translate as easily in French. 
So college happened and then post-college. And I went to CW Post for college. So that's a, like a little, another little funny joke that's really only funny to me. Thank you all for going on that detour. So college happens then post-college as an after-college. I wasn't really around many tennis courts or tennis players or anybody who had access to tennis courts. And then I met my boyfriend, Mr. Hewey, the one and only, and he's a self-taught tennis player. He was the captain of his varsity college tennis team, and he's quite adept at racket sports. So basically, when it comes to tennis, Harry's like me on steroids or somebody better than me at, at tennis or more hardcore on me on steroids or maybe not even on steroids but Harry and I started whacking the tennis ball together at the courts right by his house a few times every week and those were like our dates because we're morning people so after nearly 10 years we haven't ever really played a game to keep score and I could tell sometimes when we're volleying the ball back and forth he goes easier on me and he honestly needs to play with somebody better than me. They always say with tennis or acting or anything, work with somebody who's better than you so you'll progress. So thankfully, one of our friends happens to be a tennis player. And so once Harry and him were playing tennis while we were staying with them at the Jersey Shore. And so the the friend um, had asked me to join him for a bit and for some Canadian doubles. And in order to try and impress this friend, I guess the competitive spirit that usually I never allowed to come out with, with myself with tennis, it came out because I threw my Birkenstocks off and I started hitting those balls like a champ, like a beast. And the friend commented on the how, and it's like, wow, you're, you're damn good. And I was like, yeah, damn straight. Then I keep going and he starts mansplaining and nitpicking my form. And this was back when I still smoked cigarettes. So I just kind of got ticked off and I stalked off barefoot and I smoked a cigarette, just kind of grumbling under my breath. And that was probably the most French thing I've ever done in my life. So a few years ago, y'all, the tennis courts in walking distance to me that I wanted so long ago when my dad and I first started playing tennis nearly 30 years ago, they came to fruition at a former chromium dump turned into a local park. Hey, it is Jersey. It's just right across the street from my house in Jersey City. So now Harry and I, we can play either by his house or by my house. But y'all, after the park people have spent like a million dollars to build this park that the park people either didn't realize or didn't care about the tennis courts because the tennis courts by me have such a horrible slant that they're not good for somebody like me with vertigo or herniated disc or even just regular proper tennis playing. So Harry and I, we now drive to the secret hidden tennis court. So what I love Love as in tennis love, L-U-V, love, uh, uh, tennis pun. What I love about tennis is that it's always just been for the sheer fun of it. I love acting. I love musical theater. I love theater. I love improv. I love comedy. But there's still an aspect of it that's work. Actually, that's uh, it's work and fun swimming. I love it. It's my escape. But there's also still slightly that, hmm, I'm going to do it to stay slender. Uh, cardio, I do love to dance and to exercise. But there's always that aspect of, hmm, I'm going to do it because I'll build up a sweat and that's good for me. I just do tennis just because I. it's just fun. You know, I love nothing more than hearing that like 
oh, I can hear it in my head right now, the ball pop against the racket when you get a really good shot. And actually, though, I love nothing less than hearing tennis grunts from other tennis players like, <clears throat> that, now that's annoying. And that's unnecessary, right? Yeah, y'all, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to say, yeah, yo, and y'all, y'all. I've tried to challenge myself and improve my backhand and improve my serve. And now I do the tennis shuffle, just try to get in some steps and some cardio. But I'm not doing it to lose weight. I'm not doing it to like get a scholarship to get into a good college. Like I thought maybe that's the route my dad was having me go in middle school. I'm just doing it because my boyfriend and I happen to both like it. And it's pretty freeing. I think the whole point of this is... It's freeing as an adult to be able to do things for the sake of loving them, just to do them without any other gain other than the sheer joy of it. So will I go to the U.S. Open this year and and today, tomorrow, before it ends in about a week or so? That's doubtful. I've actually never been. I've lived in New York over, gosh, 20 years, and I've really no desire to go to the U.S. Open other than if Harry wants to go because he really keeps up with that healthy competition aspect of it. He loves it. But when you're someone like me who knows that for herself or for myself that like the words healthy and competition don't go together, you just keep doing it for the love as in 30 love LUV of the sport. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. It is my hope to inspire, uplift, and entertain you with this Who's Dat Fat Girl podcast. So if you're hungry for more, you can book me to speak or perform my solo show that inspired this podcast, Fat Girl Costumes, written by yours truly and directed by Brian Lady at your virtual or in-person event. Please visit brookhoover.com slash fluffybuttproductions or email me at contactbrookhoover at gmail.com for more info. And let's follow each other on Instagram. I'm at brookhoover. And the O's in my name are not the letter O, they're zeros. Not because I want to be a size zero, but because I guess I'm just so clever with my late 90s Yahoo self. And if you like this podcast, which I really hope you do, please give me a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, share this with your friends, family, and other people you may know who are as fat as we are. That's fat with a PH.